I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of our Yesterday's Heroes series. Today we're joined by a nine in a row legend in my eyes. Um, he crossed the ball, uh, Brian Loudup, to actually clinch the ninth league championship in a row. He is, of course, Charlie Miller. Charlie, good afternoon. Hi, Scotty. Boy, how are you, Paul? Not bad, mate. Yourself? Good, good. good. Bit bored this lockdown, right enough, but I know. <laughs> hey, everybody has to deal with it, don't we? At least we're, we're safe. I think we're on the same boat there. I'm up the At least we're safe, that's the meaning. That's true, mate, that's true. As a kid growing up, Casimir, what was life like? Um, to, to be honest with you, it, I didn't know any difference, so um, we didn't have a lot of money or anything like that, but money was never a part of life. I yeah. used to just go out and earn the money. Um finding golf balls or, or paper rounds or whatever, but aye, it was a good upbringing. Um, it was a great place to live. Some great people. Obviously, it's got a, 
a bit of a name, but there was some great people there when I was growing up, and I loved it. It was it was really good upbringing for me. Um, so, I it was a lot of people found the schemes in it. it was, we've all got similar similar upbringing, so but it was a great place to be honest with you. You went to both Ibrooks and Parkhead as a kid, have you admitted yourself? What was the story behind that? Well, one uncle was a Rangers fan, one was a Celtic fan, so... But I was just into football, to be honest with you, Paul. Um, mm. But I always knew where I wanted to play. It was the most important one. Yeah. Uh, so you said you were just into football. Did you, being a football player then, kind of like your only, your only ambition in life? Or was there other things that, was there other job roles that you maybe would want to have took if it didn't work out, etc.? Well, football is all I knew. Football was honestly all I knew, so... Um, I just wanted to be a football player. I suppose a lot of young kids growing up, that's what I want to be as a footballer, and I'm no different for the rest of you. So I was very fortunate to to get my chance at that great stadium girl. Yeah. Um, sitting there now. Yeah. You joined Rangers as an, eight, as an 11 year old in 1987. How did you feel when joining the club at that age and at the time when obviously Graham Sunnis had kind of just come in the year before, etc.? How, how was it as a, as a young player at Rangers at that time? Um, to be fair, it was an S form, so it wasn't really. I was only there maybe two or three nights a week. Uh-huh. Um, it was great. Obviously, it was the old album we used to train at sometimes, but I was sitting in the tunnel. Uh-huh. Um, so we never really had a varying training ground. Obviously, like now they've got, I think it's Hummel Park, it's called now. But unfortunately, we never had, really had anywhere to train where we had a proper base. Well, my whole time I was there, we used to be all over us and like different uh, cricket grounds, things like that. But as a kid, it was just great. It was just great to be part of um, such a big club. And obviously, soon as in the year before, and signing players like Butchers and things like that, England captain Chris Woods, obviously soon as himself. But it was, it was just such a club to join that was going in the right direction. You know. Hi. Who did you look up to at that time? To be fair, um, I always, I've always loved Durant. Yeah. Durante's my, my pal, close pal, and I, I think he's a great lad, and he was a great player, obviously, coming back for that injury as well, which was horrific. Yeah. The wee man could come back and do how well he did. Dave was phenomenal, and you have to take your hat off to him, you know, so. Yeah. Um, obviously, Cooper and things like that. But there was a lot of great Scottish players playing in Scotland and England. I just love football. Maradona was my all-time hero. I love Maradona. I think he was the greatest player I've ever seen. Obviously, I've seen him live, but uh-huh. watching the 1986 World Cup. Um, it was magic, but um, I could just love football. Honestly, I did was a kid. So, what, what was the upbringing like at Rangers at that, at that time? Obviously, as a as a young player with so many stars that you've mentioned, what, what like was your upbringing at the club? As I mean, I was a kid, or else when I actually broke into the team, or what, just before you broke in as, as a kid, basically when you when you started. So sixteen when I went full time, can I? Yeah, that, that was magic. I loved the apprenticeship. The apprenticeship was great because. Obviously, you go full-time, you think you've made it, and then you realise, oh, I'm actually <laughs> starting pile. again here. Just have got my pile here. First year apprenticeship, you've got second year apprenticeships ahead of you, you've got reserve players who are ahead of you, you've got first-team players who are ahead of you. So you actually have to realise early that, oh, this is just the beginning. Now you have to kind of work even harder now to try and get into that team because everybody's wanting the same thing. Yeah. Even though you're friends and whatever, everybody's wanting the same thing. Everybody wants that shirt, and there was no difference. So... um. It was a great upbringing. The, the, doing the jobs around Ibrox was magic, and 
And then obviously they play at night games or whatever, reserve league west, reserve games or BP Youth Cup games. So we were quite a close knit bunch of boys to be fair. That kind of BP Youth team, we won the BP Youth Cup. Uh, we beat in the final one year, we won it in the following year. We the Glasgow Cups and things like that and reserve leagues and that. So we were with a strong team. Yeah. So we did so. Um, but with, with some laugh to be honest, we were just, as I say, it was a great upbringing with the boys and some of the tricks that were kind of about and things like that. It was, it was just a, I loved the apprenticeship. I still think everybody should be doing an apprenticeship. I think in England they don't do it anymore. Because right. um, obviously you had to do players' kits. When I went to Watford, my first day there, the kick man came in with, a, I'm not joking you, a six-foot bag with a Lee Cox sportive bag. And he said, I said, what's that? And he went, that's your kit. He says, what the fuck you want me to do with that? Excuse my language. <laughs> no, it's fine, you can. <laughs> and he went, you take that home and wash it. I says, what are you talking about? <laughs> just joined the Premier League in England, I'm taking mine. So you can imagine, I would forget all about that in the boot of my motor and having to take it out. <laughs> Some days, man, I was barking. So it was, was that... I was that used to getting my boots polished and my um, my kit laid out for me. Obviously, I'd done my, my chores when I was done my apprenticeship at Rangers, so I, I knew what I expected, what people were expecting for you. So to go back to actually having to clean mine boots and mine training gear, that was a bit of a shock. But Brought you back down to earth. <laughs> I had some smelly training gear, I could tell you that. <laughs> uh, what, what jobs did you have around about Irox? Can you remember whose boots you cleaned? Well, I, I had to do the, there was, I had to do the manager's office, Walter, Archie, uh, David Dodge, John McGregor, Billy Kirkwood. And Billy Kirkwood was a clean, clean freak, freak honestly. <laughs> he wanted everything perfect. He used to try and make his, clean the tiles in the bathroom with a toothbrush and all that. Um, but every morning I would hear him, because I used to have to get the, the 74 into the tune, then get the subway for seeing up to Ibrox. So it was me, Neil Caldwell, and Stuart Aiton. We went in every day together. They were for Crawford, neck of the woods, so I used to meet them on the 74 and they'd go on same and then bang into tune. So every morning I'd hear Kirky shouting, Mala, where the fuck are you? Because I was always late and he's, he was having to do my jobs. So at Christmas they always said to me, why the fuck are we giving you any money? Why are we giving you a Christmas bonus? You never do nothing. <laughs> and then the second year, Big Scott Wilson and me, Roddy uh, Kerr, they, they were actually helping me clean that up manager's office and I got away with murder to be honest with you <laughs> after that. They two were they two were doing all the jobs. Did did Walter and Archie give you tight considering you were you were cleaning their area? Oh I they give it tight every day. They just what the fuck are you want every every morning I'm like, I'm supposed to been here to clean your your get your gear and get his fresh gear or whatever. Well it's nice to see you and all that so it was it was a good laugh to be fair. David Dodds was a he's a great guy. Obviously McGregor and John McGregor and Billy Kirkwood, I, I loved them because they were my, my two coaches when I went full-time. They were my, obviously, under-18 VP youth coaches, my reserve league West coaches, my reserve league coaches. So they were, they were great guys. You didn't really get to, obviously, see Archie and um, Walter unless you were more involved in the first team. So fortunately enough, about a year later, I was actually close to getting there. So... Um, but as I say, I'd love my time as an apprentice because it was they were great days. Can you remember the first time you trained with the, with the first team? I sometimes they would fling you in the gaffer would just fling you in sixteen, no problem. And you go just train with the, the first team. Don't get me wrong, it was, it was some great players there. Yeah. Um, it's a joy to watch some of them. Just watching them sometimes, but to play in the, the same five a side pitch or seven a side pitch, whatever it was, it was great because it was you actually learnt that. 
by the way, these guys on the just gotta let me come in here and just play. Right. They, they want to play every week, right. and so it's, I need to make sure that I'm ready and I need to show the same willpower as these guys and want to win. And because that's all Rangers were about is winning, so um, I had to learn that very quickly. Also, as, as you said yourself, 16 going in there, a team that was so successful, just how daunting. Or did, did you find it daunting to be actually going in and, and training with these guys? Because ultimately they would see you as somebody who's looking to come in and take their jersey. Yeah, of course it's a bit daunting, but you have to realise that I want to I want to be playing in that pitch. I want to be starting on that first team. Um, so I really have to obviously show the guys respect, but I had to make sure that I could go and play and get the respect back for these guys. So, um, Okay, there was some great players for like so Trevor Stephen. He would go for five, six months and then come back one day and he was like the best player on the pitch. It was unbelievable. Um, it's just a, it's just a pity kind of Trevor had a lot of injuries and Aye. but there was great players there. And to be fair, um, they were winners. They were winning for years or a few years anyway. But that was drummed into us as a kid at sixteen. When you're playing for Rangers at any level, sixteens or eighteens or reserve, reserve league west, you were expected to win. You know what I mean? So um, there was nothing new there. So we had to win through the board. I remember we were playing earlier in the BP Youth Cup final and we were getting beat 3-0 and Walter came in the changing room at halftime at Airdrie Stadium. Oh my word, they went mental. Walter never usually got involved but he was sitting in the stand watching it and we were getting pumped. <laughs> and I ended up 3-1 at halftime. Um, so Walter's come in went, we ended up winning 5-3 but Walter went absolutely mental. So it's probably the kick up the back and say we needed, but Kevin Fordham scored four and I scored one, so end up a good night. Good. Did anyone take you under their wing as such? Okay. I wouldn't say they took me under the wing. As I said, everybody looks after their cell, you know. It's I was tight with your aunt. Obviously, me and Big Oz were really tight, Craig Moore. Um, but we were the same age. Durante stayed in Bobble when I ended up moving to so Durante was obviously close to us. Um I love Coys. I loved other guys, you know. Other guys were always there if you wanted something, if you if they could help you then. So they were. You made your, your debut in a 2 0 defeat at Pitodry. Was that a kind of baptism of fire for you? Yeah, it was it was a shock because I didn't even realise I was playing until like two hours before kickoff. What well, just I was I thought I was up to date of hampers. Maybe Jimmy Bell in fact I was at the stadium early doors putting out the strips because you didn't have any, any names in the back of the strips then. It was just numbers if you remember that. Aye. So we got to Pataudry, me and Jimmy Bell, we put all the kit out and then we come back to the ski and do hotel, have a bit of lunch before we're heading up to the game and walk on the team in the hotel and he goes to say somebody, to say McCall, Muller and Haitley. And I'm like, I'm only Muller in here. Fucking <laughs> like, hell, I'm playing today. I, think I just did a shock. I, I just didn't see it coming. So it was a bit of a shock. So, I didn't have a great game, to be fair. I played up front behind Big Mark, who was unbelievable for a player, but I was also playing against two experienced defenders and Brian Irvin and Big Alan McLeish, who were really, really good defenders, strong guys, and they were only giving a shit about a young boy coming on. They were just going to put the shit at me, which <laughs> they did. They did, you know what I mean? So, but it was, it was a great day, and I'll never forget it. Obviously, the result wasn't great, um, but it was, it was just great to get out there. You made three appearances that season. Uh, obviously, it's 17-year-old. How did that feel for you? Obviously, three appearances. Still, three appearances in that Rangers team's frightening for a 17-year-old. Ah, so. Three appearances was 
it was three poor performances. I didn't play well in any of the games. I, think right. I came on against three throwers, I think one of them was. We drew two each. And then my first three games, I didn't win a game. <laughs> Obviously, lost it by Todd. We drew with Rafe Rovers at Ibrox, I think it was two each. And then we get beat with Commander in the last game of the season down there, 1 0. Right. And I didn't play well in any of them. So I thought and next time, because you don't get many chances. If you don't take your chances, you're not going to get that many. So obviously, I was still young enough to learn. And so the next season, I thought, if I'm going to get a chance here, I'm just not going to pass it up. Unfortunately, my next game was at home to Dun uh, United at Ibrox. We went 2 0, Loudup scored that wonder strike. And, and then I played every game for there. Aye. We, we clinched six in a row, obviously, that season just prior to that. Uh, what were the celebrations like? And did you did, did the season pros kind of make you feel part of that, even as a youth player? Well, the, the, when I went, it was 18, I played the full season. Then I was part of it, you know. So Aye. I played in the delivery game that season. So I felt part of it myself. Um, but we won. We won the league. So, and I played my part, actually. So I didn't need any of the players to welcome in. I think it was just... I was ready and I was, obviously I was, I think that was my, my first year I went apprentice and I went pro, if you know what I mean, yeah. um, 18, that was my first pro year, I went 16 obviously then 17, then 18 was my first pro contract, so I wasn't doing the jobs not anymore, but I went for the away dressing room, went to the home dressing room, which is always, always nice. Yeah, you'd mentioned it there, obviously Brian Loudrup joined the club just at the start of kind of that season. Yep. Uh, as a young player, looking to break into the team, obviously you had three games the year before, you're looking to break into the team and make, kind of establish yourself. Do you get encouraged by the fact that Rangers have went out and signed a superstar like Brian Loudrup or does it kind of discourage you slightly because no, you know it, that... But you knew every year you were going to bring one or two, maybe three players in Aye. who were going to be very good football players. Maybe, obviously, not everyone was a Loudrup or a Gascoigne, but you knew that they were going to be international players who played at a very high level, so everybody who came in, they were accepted and they were just expected to win, to go and right. play and um, set high standards. So that's what was ex- accepted. Expected, sorry. Aye. You made 21 appearances, as you've alluded to, um, and that was really your kind of proper breakthrough season into the Rangers side. You scored three goals that year as well. You must have been happy with the contribution towards I w- winning I the title. Yeah, of course, but I would have played more games that season because I ended up having to because I get shin splints. Aye. And I was playing with shin splints and I had they just stopped me playing because obviously um, they wanted to, I was young and still had a, hopefully a, a long time ahead of me. So, but the shin splints kind of set me back a wee bit. So, Aye. Um, that, that stopped my season to be fair then. Does, does that kind of, as, as a young player as well, mentally that must kind of, you take a hit with that because obviously you have made your breakthrough, you, you are contributing to the team, you're part of a winning team and then suddenly you find yourself out of the team through no fault of your own. It must kind of, you, you must mentally take a wee hit. No, it's obviously, everybody gets injuries unfortunately but um, it's just the way you bounce back for it and um, the next season uh, I think I, I didn't start the, the game against Famagusta Ibrox. We win one nil. Jukie scored. And that's if obviously Gazers just signed. Yeah. And then I started every other game then to the March when I was involved in the situation down in the Fox and Hounds, which was stupid, but um I played every game up to then. Yeah. Um, I think I started every game. So I was obviously doing something right. And then I got dropped obviously after that incident and 
Well, I didn't play him again that season, which was really disappointing because we won the double. Obviously, we won the cup final, beat Hearts 5 won the final. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd love to have won the Scottish Cup, unfortunately, I didn't get the chance, but that's the way it was. How how was it to, to play and train with, with a guy like, obviously, Loudrop before Gascoigne came in, but a guy like Loudrop? Oh, he was amazing for a player, of course, but there was a lots of great football players there. Aye. Not just Loudrop, obviously, great pros, and, but Loudrop was obviously, he was the foreign one, he was, had some. Class ability, he was also a great human being, he was a great guy. Um, so it was I could just watching him training some of the things he did, was, he was a great player, great football. Yeah, can you remember your first old firm game, Charlie? I can, I remember that at Hamden. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget that. Rob Tom Boyd and put the ball through to Big Mark Galen. Sure enough, we went, I think it was one up we went, went end up winning 3 1. So that was a, it was a great day, that great day. What like was the build up for yourself? Obviously, given a young player you've grew up at the club, you know what it means to the fans. You know what it means anyway through knowing the club at a young age. What, what, what is, what does, how does a, a young player like that feel going into an old firm game? Nervous, obviously. Nervous every game. If you're not nervous before football, you, you shouldn't play because obviously you're going obviously up against a, another midfielder or whoever you're playing against who's obviously what to win. You have to give them that respect that. They might play better than you in a day, but you have to make sure that they don't. So yeah. you have to win your own individual battles every time you play. Again, if it's against Reef Rovers or if it's against Celtic or if it's in Europe, you always have to win your individual battles. And then you take it for there. But obviously winning the games was very, very important because it was, I think, obviously if you win the games, you usually win the league. Yeah. Yeah, alluded to it, we won the, the, the seventh league championship in a row. Even that early on, does anyone talk about the nine? Does anybody mention the nine at that stage? Or is no, it just about the next no. one? Obviously, it's about the next game, honestly. That's what it's like. As Goffey used to say, when you play for Rangers, you're only as good as your last pass. Yeah. Not your last game, your last pass. Because <laughs> you have to make sure you want that ball the next time it comes to you. If you don't, then you're not used to playing it. A club like that, so. But no, we never looked past the seven. Obviously, we wanted to get... 9, 10, 11, 12, we wanted to win every year, we wanted to win every trophy. Yeah. Um, but obviously the 7 then it was on to make sure we won the 8 and then take it from there, you know. So prior to the season when we won the 8, you, you've mentioned them, Kaza joins the club, uh, a global superstar, I think it's fair to say, especially at that time as well. Um, when did you first hear that, that we were trying to sign Gaza? When were you first made aware of it? Actually, I think, I think I was on holiday or something, I think I was in maybe... Grand Canaria or something, but I actually can't really remember. Um, and then I seen the seen them outside Ibrox with a stupid white hair. <laughs> um, and then I thought, well, this is real. Obviously, guys are signing. So, um, one of the, probably one of the best English players of all time. His ability is second to none. Um, and obviously, a great, great guy as well. So, but it was just surreal seeing this madman coming in. <laughs> madman, I mean, but madman by a great guy, you know. So. Did, did you, I take it then, you, you kind of heard the stories of what Gaza does in the changing room, etc. And, and it must have been like, well, I'm no, I'm not going to wear good gear into training then because Gaza oh, usually cut things up. Ah, he was mental. He was just, he was just full of beans all the time. He couldn't sleep. So, but just to know the guy was a, was a pleasure for me to know him and some of the daft things he did, of course. But um, just to actually know the guys, it was great to be part of that, you know. Can you remember the first time you met him as a, as a Rangers player? Obviously, the first day back at pre-season, I think. Um, Gaza was a 
a fit boy, guys. Going binges, he would be the fittest guy in the world one minute or else. He'd let himself go the next minute and then bang. He just, he was mentally a bit, oh, he was such a talent. You get the, probably the best couple of years out of him. Um, and I'm, as I said, I'm very fortunate to be involved with him, but yeah, he's a superstar, super player and super man. Obviously, Walter as a manager must have been like, I mean, how, how do you manage a genius like that, a maverick like that, who, as you say, at one point, could be something that you'd probably tear your hair out of? Yeah, well, for instance, the game against Aberdeen where he scores a hat-trick, clinches the league championship. You must need to put up, even as even as players in the squad, you must need to put up with some of the stuff, knowing that it's Gaza and knowing that you'll get days like, like the day at Ibrooks. No, but, but Gaza was always a, on the pitch, Gaza was always a good player. Gaza always tried his heart out and um, it was, Gaza was a lot for himself, obviously, but he was a team player as well. Um, but you knew what to expect. You, know, you didn't know what to expect for Gaza because <laughs> off the pitch, he could off the pitch, he could be mental. But on the pitch, you knew what to expect was great performances, great ability, great vision, goal scoring. So you knew what to expect from him on the pitch. But off the pitch, was, you didn't know what could happen. <laughs> Were you ever on the receiving end of one of his pranks? That wasn't too bad. No, he was. I think he loved me. To be fair, we got on great. But I remember we were up at um, in Edinburgh. We were staying in the hotel. We used to obviously have dinner that together the night before. And we stayed in the hotel before the games. And they kept one hitting me with grapes. <laughs> just hitting me with grapes. Just flicking them at me. And I waited. I bided my time. And I got an orange about that size. I'm not joking. An orange. <laughs> and I waited for him to turn his back. And I fucked him right in the back of the head with his orange <laughs> for a second to get angry and then started fisting himself. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So, but just be that silly things like that. It was, uh, it was just a, it was a great guy, great guy. That squad must have pushed Walter to the brink of a breakdown on occasion. Oh, you started. You had their goalie it was mental. <laughs> then you David Robertson and the feeder drinking him was mental. <laughs> Um, Stuart McCall was mental with drinking him. I couldn't have drink cold tea. I was always in my bed after about four or five beers. Then you'd Coystein, uh, who could drink. And Gaza would just drink one of everything. He would just drink a Guinness, a vodka, a whiskey, a pint. <laughs> a, and then he'd be in his bed. But that was a great bunch of, a great bunch of lads. Yeah, guys like Loudrup, who obviously played at top level as well, they must have came into that squad and went, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> it takes... think, to be fair, I think Louders loved it. I think just realised what kind of clubbies came to. They were a successful team. And they uh, just kind of realised that. And he was adored, you know. Louder was adored. And with the fans and the players, we loved him. Um, as I said, he was a great guy, a great human being. and um, Great football player. And I think he just enjoyed it. I think his wife, Meta, was also, they were settled here. And, I thought Aye. it was a great place to live. And obviously the fans adored them, so Aye. why not? When we were pushing for eight in a row, we lost only once before Christmas, which was incredible when you think about the, the kind of teams at that time. Because obviously, nowadays it's Rangers or Celtic, but back then you had Aberdeen as well, who were a, who were a decent side. Um, so Hearts were a decent side as well. No, because I think Celtic weren't even second or two or three seasons. Fourth or something, weren't they, that year? I think Murrowell was second one year, Aberdeen was second one year, so obviously I would say the league was much, much stronger then, but obviously financial, um, the way things are financial now, it's very difficult, but 
Um, nah, but we well, used to have a lot of good teams and a lot of teams done okay in Europe as well. Then. Aye. What light was the, the kind of pressure on the players? Obviously, given we were getting, we were edging closer to that nine. As I said, we lost once before Christmas in eight in a row season. How, how just how determined and, and the, the kind of belief levels within that squad to push on and, and get us over the line every single time? Well, you had people who were there from the beginning. Obviously, like Durante, Goffey, Coiste, Ian Ferguson, Bomber, who was obviously becoming a coach and whatever. But these guys, they knew that they wanted to get to the nine and these guys were pushing us. As I say, I'd, I'd be a bit younger and naive and not really realising how big the situation was. Aye. Um, so that probably helped me because I didn't feel the pressure as much because I was just you know, expecting to win games and, and not thinking about the nine. So, so it'd be just be part of the eight and then nine and then obviously a disaster at ten. But um, just to be just to be part of it was amazing for me to be honest with you. Just so, but the, the older boys they they felt the pressure. They they handled it really well, and obviously it was a relief for them. You also played in the Champions League group stages proper that season. Tell me what it was that to play in. That was an, that was another step up. That was they were proper. Proper Champions League teams, your Dortmunds and your Juventus and Ajaxes. Yeah. Um, even you're playing against Basel, who like teams like that, or, or Grasshoppers, it was, who were good teams, still a Bucharest, <laughs> famous names and still a Bucharest, uh-huh. you know. Um, but you realised technically these guys were very good. Um, but the worst thing for us is we never really done, done ourselves any favours, and it's unfortunate that. We were on to clinch eight in a row at home to Aberdeen, as I've mentioned, in a game that will be forever known as, as Gaza's game. What are your memories of the game and just how good was Gaza in that game, obviously, to a fellow pro like yourself? Well, as I said, I was I got bombed out for the, after that incident in March, so that was disappointing. Yeah. You always want to be uh, part of it. And I wasn't a part of it. I'd played most games that season. I'd played a lot Aye. of games. So... Um, but Gaza was superb that day. Um, obviously, we went 1-0. I think Big Brian Evans scored for Aberdeen. And then Gaza, what a first goal. Um, great ability. And obviously, second goal was probably that little bit better. But it was, it was phenomenal. Um, he had a burst of pace that people didn't realise. People thought he was a wee fat guy. And he was a strong boy and yeah, he did have a turn of pace. And he could run at speed with the ball because he's so comfortable on the ball with great ability. And so people didn't realise how good he was until they tried to get close to him. But uh, he was phenomenal that day. I think that second goal, he says so himself. He says he was desperate for the Aberdeen player to bring him down. But when he missed him, he kind of thought, oh, shit, and he scored. <laughs> uh, uh, that's Gaz, isn't it? But, uh, it was, a, it was a, a wonderful goal, a great solo goal, and obviously getting the penalty um, got him the hat trick. But it was just a. It was definitely Gaza's day and it was a phenomenal performance. Moving on to the, to the season where we, we clinched the nine. Uh, oh, just two seconds, Scott. No, you're all right. Uh, moving on to the, to the season where we clinched the nine, could you feel kind of something different within the squad? Obviously, the pressure was going to be ramped up that we notched further given the fact that it was a chance to equal the record. Could you feel something within the squad just slightly different or was it just as determined as it has always been or? Uh, just the same it was always determined it was the same as every other season we 
obviously we expected to win. We wanted to win. We were demanded to win. Yeah. So the ninth season was no different. We were just wanting to make sure we went and, went and won the league that year. Yeah. The fear of being known as the team that failed to win nine, that must have been enough motivation for you in itself, never mind to please so many people, etc. And become legends. As I said, as I said, Scott, I was naive and didn't re- I was young and didn't realise the situation or how, how big it was and obviously as I said before that the older players really knew the situation and how big it was and what was demanded of us, I was just expecting to, I was just making sure wanting to make sure we get win another league. Aye. Um but it was a great thing to do and obviously when I look back now I go, What the hell? It was part of something very, very historic for your club and um, I'm very proud to be part of that. Do you think that helped you though, Charlie, as a kind of younger player, I suppose, at that time, that you maybe didn't realise the, the kind of size and the magnitude of what was what was about to be achieved? Probably. You could just go on with playing football? Yeah, probably, because as I said, what Goffey says, your last pass, but a lot of people, you're only as good as your last pass, as Goffey says, but um, a lot of people can't handle that, you know, as a, it's a very difficult club to play for if things aren't going well and um, the fans are very demanding, so which is right because we pay our money and we want the best. So, but just to be part of that year and obviously the nine in a row thing was just it was a great, great part of history, you know. We always seem to come up with the goods against Celtic, no matter how we played in the day. How do you create or how do you develop a mental toughness like that? Where no matter being Celtic, I, I was only young at the time, I was only six or seven that season, but. At the same time, you could tell Celtic played some of the best football, especially under Tommy Burns, against us that you've probably ever seen. Yeah, Rangers yeah. got the park. You know, Gorham would keep the moot. Goffey would keep the moot. Yeah, and Gorham, we got the park. We just score a goal. You know. Yeah, Gorham was Gorham was very very good in some of the games. He was what a goalkeeper he was. Uh, but we gave them a few doings as well. We, we think our oh, Celtic were this but we battled Celtic a few times in, the, in games, and it was tight, like one nose or two nose, two ones, whatever. But we did give Celtic a few hidings, but, but Celtic did have some quality players. Celtic did um, have some real class, and, but not enough, to be honest. They never beat us that year in the league. Uh, nine in a row credentials were probably reinforced in March 97, and I won a win at Parkhead, especially coming off the back of an inconsistent run. Was the pressure of getting over a line to get the nine, maybe get to the players a wee bit because we were inconsistent towards the end of that season. Do you think it was just knowing that it was so I think close? We had a few injuries. I think we'd got a lot of injuries then. Aye. Near the end of the season. Um, obviously, the goalie was out. Then I think Goffey was struggling. Um, we had to bring Big, Mar- uh, bring, bring Big Mark back. Aye. So we had a lot of injuries. And so we did. So we done well. We obviously got to Parky and win that day. It was a great result. And Aye. Then the huddle was magic. <laughs> 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 just winning there is it was it was great, you know. That was a game Mark gets sent off, wasn't it? Yeah, him and Jackie, I think. Uh, and Decanio was it Decanio offered Ian Ferguson to go in the tunnel. He was, and he was off up the tunnel. Aye, <laughs> nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. <laughs> uh, after that game we'd six games left, needing nine points to get over the line. And we lost our next game at home to Kelly. Take us back to that to that kind of after that game. What is the feeling like in amongst the dressing room, knowing as we say that history is so close, but obviously we, we just lost at home, which is unusual for that squad in general. Like it was, they were always going to have games like that. Kind of win every game at home or whatever, but 
as I say, Kilmarnock were a, a strong team. They were a very, very dogged team, hard team to break down. Mm-hmm. Um, disappointing to lose any game. So, but we knew we still, we still had to win the amount of points to win the league. So we knew we could still do that, and fortunately we did. The next two games, we won the next two games, and it set us up with a chance of winning the nine in a row at home in Motherwell. We lost the game, um, knowing that we had two ties, or two fixtures left away at Dundee United and Hearts. Did you feel as though, obviously, well, it must have felt like, although Motherwell were a good side, it must have felt that was our best chance really of clinching it at home in front of our own fans. To be fair, I, I was in a car crash the day before the Motherwell game. So okay. I wasn't even involved in the game against Murrow, so I was gutted. I thought, oh, we're going to win nine in a row here. I'm no really party, obviously. I'm trying to stand. And I thought, oh, gutted. Obviously, it'd be great if we win it the day the party was ready. And then Owen Coyle scores, to, uh, the beat us tonight, Owen Coyle with two goals or whatever it was. Um, and then I, get, I was very fortunate enough to get playing the Wednesday when I was so glad. and. It was just great to be part of that team that we won nine in a row and play that night. So, so it's probably probably bittersweet for you. Ah, it worked out in my favour, but <laughs> at the time I, I didn't really want to. Obviously, I wanted to win it, win at home. It's a team game, and but you still players are a wee bit selfish that you want to you want to be part of that that team that wins on that day and whatever. The following week set us up well. The Wednesday night sorry set us up for the infamous trip to Danadice. Well, like it was a bus journey anyway up for the play- on, on the players' part. No, we got up and stayed in the hotel. We always stayed in the hotel the night before the games. So, well, I, I can't remember if we did stay in the hotel because obviously it was a Wednesday night game. I can't actually remember if we stayed in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, it's a bit of a blur. I remember coming back and it was <laughs> after the game. Everybody was celebrating, gathered all of his gear on. We stopped off at the, the hotel and just at, as you get into Dundee, I think it was called the Swallow Hotel. After that, we were, everybody was in the high and the, the the beer was flowing and the celebrations were obviously going to go for a long night that night. Brian Loudrup, well, there was two freak incidents, I think, in that game. Brian Loudrup's corner header and Charlie Muller crossing an absolute belt and a cross with a left foot. <laughs> what are your memories of receiving the ball and kind of going down well, the wing? Well, I get slaughtered for saying left foot cross. I, I, I could use both feet. I could always use both feet, so I don't know what that game. <laughs> um, but... I just remember it was Jim Jim McInnes, the but well, he was the one that tackled me just before we got the throw in. He put the ball for the throw in. And then David Robertson taking a quick throw in and then I'm running up the lane. Andy McLaren, who's the Casmo, he's chasing me. <laughs> and Andy, Andy McLaren's one of my good mates. I still I see him most days. And I still see him. He was part of that historic night chasing me back. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I just remember putting a, a great cross in. It was I was kind of shocked how good the cross was, but I, this day I still say Loudrup didn't mean either. It just hot off because <laughs> it was that good a cross. Um, he's never had the ball in his life, that guy. He didn't have to. He had so much ability on the ground. Nah, but it was just surreal, just crossing the ball and then Loudrup head on it and the fans going mental. So it was just great to be part of that. Obviously seeing the Rangers then go absolutely bonkers. What, what was that feeling like for yourself, obviously you contributed to a lot of the, the kind of latter stages of the nine in a row anyway through different seasons, but to actually cross that ball to get the winner to clinch it, it must have been no, just, just a tremendous feeling. That was a tremendous feeling to create any goal when you played for Rangers or score any goal, so that wasn't any different. Obviously, it was historic because we won the, the league that night, we won nine, but um, 
as I said, I didn't realise how the magnitude of the yeah of what we'd done. Um, so, but now I do, and yeah. just to be part, of it, it was phenomenal. And I look back, nobody can ever take that away from me. So, but um, but Loudrop header was it was an unbelievable header, and we should have I think we should have won about three or four more that because right. I had a few I had a few good efforts, and the goalie had two or three wonder saves against from me that right. night. So I was gutted I didn't get in the score sheet, but and I got the three points. That was the game when it Gaza was refusing to come off as well. Alter wanted to substitute him and he was refusing to come off. Ah, Gaza's nuts, as I said. <laughs> um, nah, he just wanted to stay on. And, um, I think Walter was obviously looking to get some fresh legs on. He must have been knackered if I was still on before him. <laughs> 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 yeah, I must have had no bad game that night because usually Walter would have been the first one half. <laughs> um, nah, but uh, uh, Gaza, fucking... He was a men's football player and as I said, it was just a great night and great to be part of that night and obviously the journey home afterwards. The bus must have floated at home. That was amazing. <laughs> um, obviously going through George Square and then going over to Ibrox and seeing all the fans gone mental, which was it was great. It was great. Did you have a party that night or was the party, oh, well, obviously it was a Wednesday night, so it wouldn't, but was the party then kind of put on hold until the, the final game? No, was we had a few babies that night, we had a great good night that night, and obviously with the game of Saturday against the Tarts, so um, yeah, we probably had a few too many <laughs> on the Wednesday night. But I think after the Hearts game, I think we flew to Toronto on the Sunday. Yeah, a lot of his, it was about 10 or 12 years, we went to Toronto, we were there a year before as well. Uh, what a city that was in Canada and uh, they looked after us over the other guys and that so that was a, a great celebration that's when Andy Dibble got his name in the road tattoo it was hilarious <laughs> hilarious Ian Durant sent him get um, get nine in a row um, oh, look, I can't really say it but Durant was telling me to get such stuff that Red to go oh, you no can. dibs. You can't get that. You can't get that dibs, honestly. But that was so funny because Durante get a tattoo as well. And Durante, we'd obviously been on the bevy for days and just decided to go and get a tattoo. And we were all going to get one. And then we seen Durante had this blue shirt on and the sweat was pissing down the side of his shirt. And we're like, no getting a tattoo. Fuck that. Durante's tattoo was about that size. A wee Superman tattoo. It was ridiculously bad. Um, so that was a great, great times, man. See, obviously, when you come back, we knew we were going for really to achieve history in, in, in our own right and, and win 10. Did you feel as though the squad, because obviously a lot of the players were coming to the end of their career, maybe the twilight of their careers a wee bit, did you think we should have maybe refreshed it a wee bit more than what we did? I think we'd done too much, honestly. I think so? we sang too many. Because uh, the players knew what they wanted to do. Um, but we got a lot of injuries. We did. Aye. We had a lot of injuries. Um, the tense for the tense season. It was just a disaster, to be honest with you. Walter right. saying he was leaving, Loudrop saying he was leaving, then selling Gaza, and ah, it was just a bit of a nightmare season. All, all in. Aye. Best, best forgotten, I think. Aye. We lost the uh, last five games, which saw us lose the title and the Scottish Cup final. How did you feel knowing that for a lot of your mates that it was going to be their final appearance in a Rangers jersey? Yeah, it was disappointing. It was sad, oh, sad more than anything. Not disappointing because we knew it was a new time. Obviously, Dick was coming. Dick Advocate was coming. So we knew it was a, going to be a, a new way of life at Ibrox or whatever. Um, we knew there was a lot of players leaving. So that was sad. Obviously, Walter was leaving. Archie was leaving. Um, 
all the players were leaving. Most of them, the ones that I grew up with, there was only a, a few that were left, but it was what it is. It was, came to the end of the time, unfortunately. And that's, and obviously, I've got in, he did a great first season on the treble, and he's a good manager and he's a good man. And, um, it was positive. Yeah. Do you remember how, you, how you're feeling when, when it was announced that Dick would be the manager? Did you think that he would have, well, obviously, he was going to have to rebuild the kind of squad? With the amount that we, that we're I, I think they obviously knew Dick Advocate was coming for months before because the players he had already kind of brought in some great players and Giovanni and Arthur, Kanchelskis, Rod Wallace. Obviously, already earmarked these kind of guys. Some of them were fantastic football players. Um, his first season he signed because Arthur was unbelievable. And then Amato, who was a great player, Amato Aye. was a great guy, a great player. Um, but having Mr. Advocate, never seen that yet. <laughs> um, but it was some boy, Gabby, honestly. But it was a really strong team, and it was obviously different for previous years. But it was, it was still good. Yeah. Did Dick, did Dick speak to you prior before taking over? No, no, didn't speak to us. No, he had his own ways. Dick, and then obviously, when his master strokes was um, starting with Barry and playing Barry, he loved Barry, which was fair dues. And he, we Barry came on to become. So, uh, a wonderful football player for Rangers and a wonderful captain. Yeah. Um. So we might never have got to see Barry if Walter was still the manager. You never know. But yeah, kept the state advocate. That was a very very good. Uh, obviously bringing Barry through. So we won the treble that year, as you've said, and you you played seven times. Is that but a sweet for yourself, knowing that you'd been a, a good part, a huge part of your success previously? The club have got success again, and and you maybe didn't play as much as obviously you'd have liked. Yeah, of course. Well, obviously with Alberts as well. Alberts was what a football player. Then Neil McCann. Aye. Neil McCann was a brilliant player, so it was it was very difficult. And I, I wasn't the Dick Advocate's first choice, and I knew that. So I signed a new two-year contract with him. And I just wanted him to be fair with me. I understand that he thinks he's got better players than me, and that's his opinion. So, but I didn't want to leave. But um. I waited till uh, December for my first start. I think it was, it was 26th of December. We played Stenish Mura Ibrox and I, I didn't have a great game, but I hadn't played, I hadn't started, right. but I was on the bench every game and I was getting on. And and I liked Advocate, I didn't dislike him. I got on really well with him, going well with other boys. And then we played Dundee at Dens Park on Wednesday. I scored two goals in the league. We went 4 0 at Dens, scored, I think it was the first two goals. And then we played Aberdeen at Bedouin on Saturday and I didn't sub me again. And, um, I got on for a minute. That was disappointing. I just I wanted to try and get a run of games to Aye. to try and show what I could really do. And then that was disheartening. And then I went to Leicester Lone, unfortunately. And then momentum's everything, though, isn't it, in football? Especially when you're, of course, especially of when you've scored a couple of goals as well. You'd expect to stay in the team and try and build on that. Of course, you just want to play. And um, you, I waited. My t- I bided my time. I said, and I said to Dick, as long as he's truthful, I mean. If I do well enough, then he keeps me in. He said, of course. And then that, that didn't happen the following game, and I was <clears throat> so disappointed. So but that's one of these things, and you just have to deal with it and go on it. Did you know make 16 appearances the next season, though, under, under Dick? I must have done a certain lot that season. No, that what season ch- what changed, do you think? Because obviously, the, I mean, 16 appearances is, is a decent return, considering you, you never really played or started much sort of the, year, the year before. That was... But when I think mean, he, he wasn't, he, he, I had to prove to him that I could play and 
and then that's why he gave me the two-year deal. Aye. So he obviously liked me, but he obviously liked other players better than me, which was understandable. Yeah. But you just want to, you just want to play, and I never wanted to leave Rangers, but I wanted to play football. I was at age now. Aye. Where twenty-three-year-old, you want to play every week. You know, I mean, it's not about money. As I said, I never had money, so Aye. obviously it was nice to have. But I just, I could just have sat there and for the next year, two year or whatever, just earn money. Aye. Several appearances earned money, but. You want to play it. You train hard every day to get up on a Saturday and play on a Saturday. So, so you, you could feel then really that your time at Ibrox was kind of ticking down to an end? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, uh, I'm not daft, you know. So, but I couldn't have feelings. Obviously, the disappointing thing was you know, the way me and Derek McKinnis got told we were leaving. We just got a letter through our door saying about a report with a with away dressing room. Yeah. Signed off by David Murray. So I was disappointed by that. I'd been at the club since I was 10, 11 year old. So, yeah. That was the biggest disappointment. I thought they could have said to me face to face and said, right, well, you're no part of the plans, which is, you respect people more for that, you know? So, yeah. more a letter through your door. I, I think you deserve better than that, given what you had contributed to the club and achieved. Yeah, been part of it since Sorry. I was a kid. I'd never, Rangers had never done, uh, well, I know that I knew that they never acted like that. It was that disrespectful, mm-hmm. I thought. And yeah. He gave you have more respect for people if they tell you face to face, and that's yeah. it. But a letter from my daughter to report with the kids for pre season was not, not on. And no. then advocate seen me in the marble staircase, and he said, How are you? I said, Talk me fuck off. I said, I was disappointed that. And they phoned my agent at the time and said, Bye, he's Charlie Felt. He said, Because you've hurt his feelings, he's been brought up with his club, and then you sent him a letter through his daughter to finish his Rangers career. Yeah. So I think advocate under real, uh, he ended up realising that. So after that, we were fine, and then. I'd speak to him and then obviously wish him all the best. So that was it. You left the club to join Leicester and loan and then made a permanent move to Watford. Looking back, how would you sum up your career at Ibrooks and do you have any regrets? Of course, I should have went and done better. I should have went and got myself fitter. I should have been um, training more. I should have been working harder because I should have been playing more games for Rangers first team. Um, definitely. But I've been stupid, young and naive. Um, but Hey ho, one of these things, and obviously I had some great times at Rangers. I've never changed that, but regrets. You've always got regrets, but playing for Rangers was magic. And uh-huh. I just my wee regret was that I didn't, I, I didn't kick on the way I should have and went and become a mainstay of Rangers team. Yeah, you obviously moved on, as you said, Watford. You've played in Australia, Dundee United, etc. How did you enjoy your time in Australia? Oh, I loved it. I loved Australia because obviously I was there with my. Me and my mate Craig Moore, we broke through together at Rangers and then ended my career practically with him in Australia with his homeland and great times and a great couple of years. Obviously, we Danny Teatro, played in one city, was there, played the same teams as and then Bob Malcolm came out, which was brilliant. Uh-huh. So, a lot of, I've made a lot of great friends there. And then me, Matt McKay, was my rear roommate who ended up signing for Rangers, who didn't uh-huh. get a good enough, who didn't get a good uh, run out of the club, unfortunately, because he would have done much more if he got played in the centre of the park, I believe that. Yeah. yeah, he was a very good football player, but we played him left wing, which was never his position. Yeah. Um, but I loved my time. I had Norway and Belgium as well, so I had some great times and uh, went places I never thought I'd have went to. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Could you maybe know so much in Australia? Could you knew obviously some people there, but in terms of Norway and stuff like that, could you? How did you deal with kind of difference in cultures? The difference in that was that was difficult, but it was the way of life. It was the way of life, so I had to adapt to that. And obviously, yeah. Robbie Winters was there who I knew, so that helped. He was yeah. playing there for a couple of years, 
So I, I knew I was going out there with somebody that I knew, which was easier. Obviously, Carter got invited to play for Aberdeen. He was in my team. So I, I knew it was, it was going to be difficult because I trained these guys, trained like hell, and it was fitness, fitness, fitness. Technically not the greatest, but very physical and um, very fit boys. Technically decent, good players and things like that, but um, I knew it was going to be tough as in pre-seasons and things like that. Yeah. But it was a great way of life and um, I respected that and they were great people. Do you get back, to, back much to Ibrox nowadays, Charlie? I go on and again when I'm asked to go and do some of the lounges or whatever, the big mark, things like that. So my wee mate, Sammy Preston, he invites me, my mate Demi Neil invites me to maybe the, the Cooper Suite or the Fortin Suite, my wee mate Sammy. So I still go back now and again. Yeah. I still go back. How, do you, how would you assess us under Steven Gerrard up to the <clears> kind of present moment? Obviously, we'd, they get the, the season now, sadly, has is, is ended prematurely for right or wrong I reasons. Just, I thought, I called it against Celtic in the, the December game. I knew we, I fancied us to beat them. I thought we'd better players and yeah. we looked hungrier at the time. We were we should have beat them in the cup final, but we didn't. But I knew we could go to a park and beat them because I believed at the time our midfield was better with Kamara, um, Jack... Arfield, I thought they were better than Celtics at the time. I thought they looked hungry, we looked fitter. Um, Stephen Davis can play. Yeah. And then it looked as if we were going to give ourselves a chance to win the league. I thought we could have. And then maybe we just peaked too soon. Maybe that was our peak because we yeah. didn't have a strong enough squad, maybe. But I think he's done well. Obviously, coming back for Dubai, everybody's winning what's happened again. And because it's a big disappointment, disappointment. But we just realised how much we missed Tavern there when he's when he's not playing, and Morelos stupidly getting that red card at Parkhead. Mm-hmm. We missed these guys because Tavern there. I hope people say he can't defend, but he's a bloody good. I think he's a bloody good player, and he gets us so far up the park. Um, we missed that. Uh-huh. Missed that badly at the start when we came back, and obviously Morelos then he came back didn't look fit, and which was disappointing because before <laughs> the break he was. Oh, it's a better, than, better than Edward, if not as good as. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back and doesn't he look the same player, the same as Kamara didn't look the same player when he came back. I just uh, think we maybe have peaked too soon because we didn't have a strong enough squad, maybe. Or, I don't know, I don't know. But the players didn't come back, didn't look the same players before the break and did come back after the break. Hopefully, with a wee bit of investment in the summer, the trophy will be back where it, where it belongs come next May. So. That's all we can hope I hope so. I hope so. We just have to make sure we we sign. I would rather sign quality rather than quantity, obviously. But aye, definitely. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want ten players. I want three or four right good ones that are going to start and make us stronger. Aye. Obviously, you want ten quality players, but obviously we're not got the money for that. Aye. But we need to make sure we're signing players that are better than we've already got, and let's see how that goes. But I believe we can do it, obviously. But. I was disappointed with it from after the break, to be fair. How's what with the academy coming along, Charlie? It's, are you still enjoying nah, it's that? Good, mate. I love it. Obviously, at the moment, we're in lockdown like everybody else. So, yeah. kids are missing I'm missing coaching the kids. And we're obviously not playing games, which is a bit of a nightmare at the moment. But obviously, safety first for our kids, especially. Yeah. Um, they're the future for our game, hopefully. So, we have to make sure they're looked after. But as long as it's when it's safe enough to go back we'll get that sorted and we'll take care of them get them back playing again but definitely not until it's safe for the kids How can people contact you and how can people kind of maybe get their kids to, to come to the academy? To be fair but 
it's quite big to be fair. We're, everybody's welcome, don't get me wrong. And a Monday night, that's when we people who who just come to train and whatever. But yeah. Friday nights for the teams only because you need to have a night for the teams. Yeah. Um, Monday night, kids can come down if they're good enough. Then we'll try and push them towards a the team. Um, and then we'll obviously coach them and try and make them better. But uh, I've got some very good kids and oh, oh, everyone's welcome, obviously. But um, our oldest team is 2009, that's like 11. So and then we've got younger teams under that, 10s, yeah. 11s, 12s and 13s. So yeah, it's gone good, mate. We've, we've obviously lost a few to pro youths and things like that. So it's always hard to rebuild, but hey-ho, that's part of it. And that's it. To deal with it. That's it. 100%. Charlie, thanks very much for your time today and thanks very much for your efforts and a, and, a, and a blue jersey. As I said, one of the guys that clinched nine in a row for us and, and played an important role in that. So, you're a legend as far as we're concerned. Thanks very much, Charlie. Um, cheers, Scott. It was, it's not in the eight three quarters anyway, is it? No, exactly, mate. It's not a chocolate medal you've got. Thanks, <laughs> hey, Scott. Boy. Cheers, cheers Looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.